Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Paul Levine, the award-winning author of two of my absolute favorites, the Jake Lassiter series and the Solomon Lord series. Paul's latest book, Bum Rap, was released earlier this week. Paul, welcome. Hey, thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much. All right. The first question, I, I can't figure this out. Is this part of the Lassiter series or the Solomon versus Lord series? Well, that's a great question. It, I like to think it's the first book of a new series where <laughs> Jake it. Lassiter, the linebacker turned lawyer, teams up with Solomon and Lord, that kind of mismatched lawyer couple who are always squabbling. So bum rap is a New Direction crossover. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's talk about the multiple protagonists in the book and their histories. Let's start with Jake. And I will let listeners know that I, I was laying out on the patio by the pool 20 years ago, probably, um, with the first Jake Lassiter book, just going, oh my gosh, is this fabulous. And as, as someone who moved down to Florida because of reading uh, John D. McDonald, I fell mm-hmm. in love with Lassiter, fell in love with your writing, and have been a huge fan ever since. So let's, let's get started with Lassiter. Well, uh, in fact, the first Lassiter book was 1990, the summer, July, 25 years ago exactly Oy. from uh, when Bum Rap came out this week. And uh, he's still kicking. <laughs> the, he, he, that book is To Speak for the Dead. Mm-hmm. It's still available on Amazon. Uh, and the funny thing about those 25 years, he was 40 years old back in 1990. Now he's 48. <laughs> the 25 mas- years have gone by. I have aged, but he has not. The magic of fiction. And the times have moved forward as well. Uh, yes, and uh, he no longer drives a uh, Oldsmobile uh, uh, 442 convertible, <laughs> vintage 1968. He's worked his way up to a 1984 Cadillac Biarritz convertible which uh, with red velvet upholstery that had belonged to a client of his uh, who was unfortunately caught with 300 pounds of marijuana in the trunk. Um, and that was his fee when he got the guy off. And that's sort of the, 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 the kind of lawyer he is. He's, um, he's sort of on the fringes. Well, we could say his ethics are, are somewhat flexible. In bum rap, the prosecutor says to him sort of in a huff, Mr. Lassiter, that's called extortion. And <laughs> Jake looks at him and says, no, that's, that's called lawyering. <laughs> so how many Lassiter books have there been? There have been 10 uh, between To Speak for the Dead in 1990 and State versus Lassiter in 2013. And now we're not counting bum rap, which is, I say is the beginning of a new series. Okay. And, and one of the things that I notice over the course of the la- this book, Bum Rap, and the last Lassiter or so, uh, he's less likely, slightly less likely, to fall for the femme fatale. Well, just as the author has matured, (laughs) we hope so has the protagonist. And also, there are only so many times that your hero 
can fall for a client who he's defending, who's you know charged with killing her husband or her father or whomever the the real uh, femme fatale who uh, leaves a trail of men in her wake. And uh, Jake these days seems to be attracted to a more substantial woman, a professional woman, a woman with ethics and morals. And may I say to the author, congratulations on your wedding over the course of the, within the last year, you were married to such a woman, I believe. Well, to to an outstanding uh, criminal uh, defense lawyer um, who gives me a lot of ideas, including the idea for bum rap, um, which is based loosely on a case in Miami um, that uh, she uh, was involved in. Let's talk now about uh, Steve Solomon and Victoria Lord, this other series. Maybe a little bit more humorous, uh, also a legal setting. Uh, Occasionally there are porpoises involved. Um, (laughs) Tell us about this. Tell us about that series. Jim, you're referring to the fact that I titled one of the Solomon Lord books, Habeas Porpoise, yes. which um, actually did involve dolphins uh, being kidnapped. So yes, those books are more in the caper variety as opposed to, say, a traditional thriller. But Solomon and Lord, I think, are, are part of a tradition that goes back uh, quite a ways in fiction, and that would be to uh, Nick and Nora Charles mm-hmm. and Dashiell Hammett's The Thin Man series, where you have a couple, a man and a woman, who are very, very different. Um, and they have different skills, different abilities. They do each have a biting sense of humor, which they use on the other, and particularly the woman always seems to get the better line. Um, And together, their synergy allows them to solve crimes in the most entertaining way. And they wind up with some pretty interesting clients as well. Uh, They do. They do. And uh, whether it's a, a murder trial... Uh, whether it's who's kidnapping these highly trained dolphins, um, th- this is the kind of thing that uh, is, is the stuff of their <laughs> daily lives. I'd also point to people who are old enough who can remember the television show Moonlighting oh, with yes. Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and Sybil Shepherd. There was a lot of that going on. Um, she was the really smart one. He was the kind of tough guy, and together they somehow managed to solve crimes and keep themselves on the verge of trouble without getting too far into it. Now, what's the uh, the novel count for Solomon Lord? I think there might be a short story or two in there as well. Right, uh, plus uh, four novels, uh, starting with Solomon versus Lord, uh, The Deep Blue Alibi, which I'll point out in passing because you mentioned John D. McDonald, uh, another hero of mine. His first Travis McGee book was titled The Deep Blue Goodbye. Mm-hmm. The Deep Blue Goodbye. So I'm sort of paying homage to the great John D. McDonald. I had the temerity to title a book The Deep Blue Alibi, then Kill All the Lawyers, which I guess is paying homage to William Shakespeare. <laughs> I think about it. I hadn't thought about it before, Henry VIII. And um, see, I, I steal all my best lines. You know, they all come from somewhere else. And then uh, Habeas Corpus. 
All right. Now, you mentioned John D. McDonald. We've, we've mentioned him a couple of times. You, I, in, in my incredible research, I saw that you were the second award winner of, I think it was called the John D. McDonald Award for Florida Fiction. Do I have that right? That, that, that's exactly it. Uh, Elmore Leonard uh, won the award first. Yeah, I was, was going to nice ask, enough. who was that other guy that won the award before you? Yeah, that other guy, <laughs> that guy. The, the late, the great Elmore Leonard was that guy. He came to the event in Sarasota when, when I got my award, which was very nice. He didn't have to do that. I was, <laughs> and I, was, I treasure a photograph I have of, of the two of us uh, at, at that event. And then... Um, Carl Hyacin won the award. Um, Jimmy Buffett won the award. Uh, Jimmy, uh, I think they created an award for um, um, not conservation, environmental concerns, for mm-hmm. environmental concerns. And of course, Jimmy also is a novelist, besides being a songwriter and a musician. And Jim Hall. Let us not forget my yes. friend uh, James W. Hall. Yes, yes that, uh, that would have been surprising if he had not uh, been on that right. list. All right, now let's get into bum rap. So but we've enough got... about him. Enough about Jim <laughs> and Elmer Leonard <laughs> and Hyacinth. Let's talk about me, all of us. Let's do it. And let's talk about these characters coming together in, uh, in a new series, beginning with bum rap. Tell us the story behind the story. Well, the the story behind the story is that, in reality, there was a so-called champagne club over on Miami Beach where some Russian mobsters who owned it would hire some incredibly beautiful and exotic women from Russia and Latvia and and other countries in Eastern Europe um, who were essentially... um, looked like high fashion models, they would hire them as bar girls. And they would go on what they called hunting parties to the Fountain Blue and the Delano, and they would look for wealthy tourists, and they would judge them, men, to be wealthy tourists if they were wearing certain watches. And then they would induce them to come over to this champagne club where they would get them drunk on cheap vodka and then start ordering (laughs) $6,000 bottles of champagne on the guy's credit cards after they were plastered. Uh, I imagined what might happen, and that was it was a credit card fraud case in reality, but of course, in my world, there's always a murder. <laughs> and um, it's giving nothing away to say briefly that in Chapter 1, Steve Solomon, representing a bar girl, is having a meeting in the office of the mobster who owns the champagne club, and that mobster in paragraph three ends up dead, and Steve Solomon's charged with murder. And we're off from there. And we're off to the races, off and running. I'm a big believer, and I hope the readers agree um, with my strategy, but I'm a big believer in starting a story quickly. I think that... um, People enjoy that, particularly in genre fiction and commercial fiction. Um, I like it when I know in in that those first few pages what is this story about. I'm just I'm reading Anthony Doerr's uh, book, uh, All the Light We Cannot See, the 2015 Pulitzer Prize winner, which is literary fiction, mm-hmm. and he does that. Hmm. He does it right in the first two pages. Wow. He's going to give literary fiction a bad name. Yeah, that's 
right. He's, he leaves out all these long <laughs> interior narratives uh, about the color of the sky and what an unhappy childhood I had. Oh, yes. my. Um, he's a fabulous writer, yes. All right. Now, People listening to this who may not be familiar with your work, and there may be a few of them, uh, they, they may get a sense of your sense of humor. And that sense of humor comes through in the books to the point where you've not only been nominated for several mystery and thriller awards, you were also once nominated for a Thurber Award for humor. The J- yes, uh, named after James Thurber, the wonderful uh, writer and New Yorker columnist, um, and, and I, I always appreciated witty writing. Uh, you don't get a lot of it in, in the thriller mold because there, there's an inherent problem, and that problem is that generally the use of humor will sap the tension out of a scene. It's a really difficult balancing act to write something that has dramatic tension and is also humorous. And sometimes you have to sacrifice one for the other, but if you can do it well, you can combine the two. And people will love you forever, or readers will, because uh, it it is so rare and it's so much fun to read these books. Well, um, in addition to John D. MacDonald, who certainly was not a humorous writer, although there's, there was wit that would come in from Meyer, the, the buddy of Travis McGee. Mm-hmm. In addition to MacDonald, um, when I was younger, I read a lot of John Mortimer, the English writer and lawyer, barrister, who wrote Rumpole of the Bailey. And Rumpole was kind of a rumpled old lawyer with a great sarcastic sense of humor and sort of a put-upon person. He was put upon by his wife, who uh, we knew by the name he called her, which was she who must be obeyed. And (laughs) I saw how he did it. I saw how he wrote... murder mysteries with with a great deal of humor, and maybe that subconsciously sent me in that direction. All right. Now, I can't let you go without asking about your days working before you went to law school, I think. You were working at the Miami Herald, and this had to have been the heyday of of the newspaper business. You worked there at the same time as, uh, or roughly the same time, as Dave Barry, Carl Hyacin, and Edna Buchanan. So what was it like just hanging out after work? What, What did you guys talk about? Well, it's funny because I left for law school shortly after Edna Buchanan came onto the Herald and became a world-famous police reporter, won her Pulitzer Prize. Um, And I'm the one because I was covering criminal court at the Miami Herald, and that's actually what got me interested in, in going to law school because I was watching what these lawyers were doing, and I was saying, I can do that. Um, sort of not realizing all the hard work that went in behind the scenes, sort of like the rehearsals of the play before the play. I just saw the play itself, but Mm -hmm. that's another story. And I took Edna over to the Criminal Justice Building and introduced her to all the judges and all the prosecutors, and we've been friends a long time. Dave Barry, I actually represented as a lawyer. No, I I didn't know that. I worked, (laughs) did some work for the Miami Herald, and um, they had to get him kind 
kind of away from another syndicate that he was uh, under contract to, and I did that for Dave. And then we became next-door neighbors. Of course, Dave went on to win a Pulitzer and uh, write all those books about Oh, getting older. Uh, <laughs> Carl Hyacin was a great, great columnist with a biting wit, just an uh, absolutely, absurdly outrageous wit, which he brings to his Florida novels uh, that all have underlying points about about uh, the destruction of the environment, you know, greed, dirty politicians. And, and if you have time for this weirdly, you know, they've knocked down the Miami Herald building. Mm. Um, the property, uh, the Herald, like, moved off into the Everglades somewhere. Yeah, seriously, they're <laughs> out in Doral. They're not in the city of Miami wow. anymore. They, okay. they downsized. They mm-hmm. this, this great building that was that sat on the bay and had this wonderful, wonderful water view there from the fifth floor of our newsroom. And on the day the last pillar came down, which was just a few months ago, I was introducing Carl Hyacin at a charity banquet from a place on the MacArthur Causeway where you could see the Herald being torn down. <laughs> and it was, the, it was the oddest, oddest thing. Uh, not, you know, not a happy kind of a sight to see this beloved institution. I mean, the, it, it still exists, but metaphorically it was torn down. And it's really a shell of its former self. And it, it's one of the things, I, I think, I don't know, people maybe under the age of 35 or so, maybe never experienced living in an area with a great columnist, a great daily columnist like uh, Carl Hyacin, where every day you just get up and you get this witty, acerbic look at the life around you that you see, uh, sort of like what you're describing with giving you know, with this event and and watching the building come down behind you, it's things that we see. But you guys have the ability to to package it into a story that's really funny. Well, Carl had Carl Hyacin had and has. He still occasionally writes. Carl moved out of Miami. He lives upstate now. He still occasionally writes and lobs a few hand grenades at Governor Rick Scott for his <laughs> many foibles. But you, you, you hit an interesting point. Um, the age of Jimmy Breslin or Mike Royko or, say, Jim Murray in sports at the mm-hmm. L.A. Times, uh, these days are gone. Uh, we don't have those giant personalities anymore, um, none I can think of. And, and with the newspaper penetration being so weak and so low in terms of households, even if we had them, they wouldn't have the impact they used to have because everybody's on YouTube and Snapchat and <laughs> and everything else. Twitter, I forgot Twitter. Oh, the times they are changing. Speaking of social media and all these things, Paul, what's the best way for people to keep up with you and be informed when new books come out? Well, uh, I invite everybody to go on my website, which is paul-levine, L-E-V-I-N-E dot com, paul-levine dot com. Sign up for the newsletter there. Or just look around. It's all free. Uh, go on Facebook. <laughs> and my author page is on Facebook, author Paul Levine. Um, and um, click follow 
or whatever, and um, we'll we'll stay in touch. And I will have links to both of those in the show notes. So if you're driving along, please don't <laughs> make a text message note to yourself and uh, go off into the berm somewhere. Uh, you can check the show notes at crimefiction.fm. Paul, this has been fun. It's always a treat to talk with you. Stephen Campbell, thank you so much. This has been uh, my pleasure. All right. The book is Bum Rap. We've been talking to Paul Levine. Again, you'll find the show notes for this episode with links to the books, uh, Paul's website, and everything at crimefiction.fm. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere great podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.